Welcome back, Ford Explorers. Before we get into this week's episode, we want to remind you that we have an Instagram, we have a Twitter, and we have a Patreon if you want to support us and get a subliminal shout-out. But most importantly, we have our hotline. Typically, we tell you a story, but we want you to tell us a story. So call us or text us to the hotline, tell us your story, and enjoy this week's episode. Thanks, guys. Bye, I'm Caleb. disappearing. <laughs> Explorers to uh, the S Cat Spirit Out. Uh, I, of course, am the Colonel. If you don't know, I am. This is my son, Caleb. We host the S Cat Spirit Hour, which is what you're listening to. I'm saying all this like you don't know who we are, but you know, we get new listeners pretty often. We're still a pretty small show. So, uh, this is a podcast where we sort of talk about all the weird stuff that may or may not be in the world, be it from history or uh, the modern age, but sometimes future. Yeah, so we like to talk about the future sometimes. <laughs> we Shout just make John stuff Titan. up in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what any good conspiracy podcast does. Uh, but before we do that, every week we like to talk about. Uh, before we get into our main story, we like to talk about the little haunted bar that I own that Caleb works in uh, because it's an awful haunted place and it's a unique opportunity to talk about it. So, Caleb, what do you got for the ghost report this week? So this week was had some really interesting things happen. Yeah, that was a hearty sigh. Yeah. Usually it, your response is like, oh, you know, like the usual stuff. Uh, it's because there are a couple of things that happened this week that kind of scared the shit out of me. <laughs> um, one, of course, the lights, the backlights. If this is your first episode... Um, I'll tell you, the backlights always change when I show up to work. If you've watched before, you know that this is an ongoing thing. When I pull into the driveway, uh, whoever's opening is like, oh, Caleb's here because yeah. the lights start to change. Well, the other night, actually last night, now that I think about it, um, at the time of recording last night, we're sitting there in the bar, and the bar is full. And everyone just, at the same time, the music stops. Like, not stops, but the song just dies down, and everyone stops talking. And as soon as that energy changed in the room, all the lights changed color. Really? It was almost like the ghost was pissed that the energy died down for a second. <laughs> Let's get that party going. Yeah, which is funny because I've done that before. Once there was a real law and, and like everyone talking and everything because our bar manager had to tell someone to get down off of a chair. They were standing up on a chair. And he was like, hey, get down. And everyone kind of lulled. And I went, don't like the energy in this room. Let's pick it back <laughs> up, guys. And it feels like the ghost did the same thing. I'll do that sometimes <laughs> if it's really dead in the bar when I'm bartending. If, you know, it's like there's like three or four people in here and nobody's talking. I'm like, okay, everybody, we're not we're not doing this weird elevator shit. We're all going to start talking to each other. Um, but one of the ones that really freaked me out is uh, the other day we had this lady that she was there by herself. And she just looked That's at. That's not weird, Caleb. That's yeah. fine. Uh, she was there by herself. <laughs> Clearly something's wrong with her. Uh, no. She looks at Cece, our opening bartender, during the week, and she goes, you guys have a ghost here? <laughs> um, and, Funny you should ask. Yes, we do. And, and I was we in the back. of them. I was in the back doing prep, and Cece just goes, Kayla! <laughs> and I come up front, and I'm like, yeah, what's up? She's like, this lady just asked if we have a ghost. And I was like, oh, yeah, we do. We have two of them. She goes, is one of them a guy? And I was like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. we don't hear about the guy too often. We sure do. And I was like, why? And she goes, um, I just heard someone whisper my name into my ear. Ooh. Yeah, ooh, and that's the ooh. one that really gave me chills. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that one that. sucks. Yeah, um, that's going to happen to you at work. Yeah, and then the other night, it was Thursday night, uh, I'm standing there washing some dishes, and I see uh, the lady with the long hair, like, almost comically peer around the bathroom door. <laughs> like, uh, that first bathroom, it's got, like, a... 45 degree angle offshoot wall. Yeah. And so if you're standing towards the front end of the bar, that door is kind of like blocked off by that 45 degree angle. And I saw hands and then a head peek <laughs> and then peek back in. And I was like, oh, that also scared the shit out of me. That's charming as shit, though. Yeah. She's she, playing hide and seek. Yeah. She's fully flirting with you. I think so. I love it. I really hope that we can advance this romance one day. You know what we need to do is we need to get a medium in there and see if we can't get you guys talking. You know, good dating be on the grave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> ghost style. Rest in peace, Patrick Swayze. It's right around that time. I know. I have a tattooed on my arm here. Uh, when did he die? 
Oh, no, I'm wrong. He died uh, September 14th. Never forget. Never forget. Patrick Swayze. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a good ghost report. I love it. And as always, I extend the invitation to anybody who wants to investigate the ghosts or anything like that. If you have an interest, reach out to us. I'd be more than happy to let you have the space for a few hours. Um, sort of poke around, see what you can find, see what you can get spooked by. See if you can't capture uh, the lady with the long hair, because she is just the most fun ghost. But... Just set up pictures of me around. Yeah. <laughs> she, it's like a little trap, like little mirror traps or some shit. Picture of me with a cardboard box and a stick. Well, see, but see, if you do that, <laughs> then if we do tra- trap her, she'll feel betrayed. That's true. Because you betrayed yeah, her Yeah, we trust. can't do that. Yeah, then you're going to have a, no. a, a scorned lover ghost. <laughs> I would. Hell it's half, like <laughs> hell half especially no fury. It, it's like the, the axe murder ghost from... Uh, the Haunted Mansion ride. Yes, it murders is. all yeah. of her. Yeah, murders good. all of her husbands. Yeah. All right. Well, well, you have to think about whether or not this ghost wants to kill you if you break her heart. Uh, I think we should move on to the main story today. The main story is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, on the show again, if you're new to the show, we cover a wide swath of things. We talk yes. about UFOs. We talk about Sasquatches. We talk about con men. We talk about stolen cars. We talk about cursed cars. We talk about a lot of stuff. Anything that's sort of unusual. We like to talk about, and today, uh, you know, there's, we also do a little news show for those of you who haven't watched it yet. On our sister channel, we do a little news show uh, twice a week, and we've been talking a lot about theft yes. on that news show, because crypto theft has been a really big, uh, I was going to say, a really big headline contributor lately, but what an ugly way to say that. <laughs> I'm not going to edit it out, but I shouldn't have said it. Uh, <laughs> man, how many times has somebody tweeted with that exact same sentiment? Well, now they'll be able to. Yeah, now it's all getting changed. (laughs) Anyway, so theft is a big thing with, you know, crypto, NFT scams, rug pulls with shit coins. And then, of course, just like, you know, like what happened with uh, Axie Infinity. You know, Mm -hmm. that's $600 million stolen, which... You know, we we went and saw Ambulance. Shout out Michael Bay. Michael Bay clearly got a drone for yes. Christmas. Uh, yeah, like there's there's some wicked drone shots in there. There are, though. It's cool to see a cinematic drone used like an FPV drone. Uh, oh, crap. Where was I going with that? We... Uh, oh, so we yeah. Were ta- yeah, sorry. So we were talking about uh, in the movie, they are allegedly are stealing $32 million in cash. But anybody who's ever overanalyzed Ocean's Eleven or possibly had to answer that uh, college entrance exam question, what would happen if a million dollars fell in your lap? You might know how much a million dollars weighs, and you know that it's far more than a person can't carry four million dollars. In Ocean's Eleven, the amount of money that they allege are in those bags is impossible. Yeah. You physically couldn't get that amount of money in there. So when you talk about $600 million being stolen, that's like, it's unfathom- unfathomable because you can't fathom 600 million anything. I can't yeah. think of 600 million. I can't think of a million anything. Our imagination is too, you know, we, we lack the capacity to really visualize that. And obviously you couldn't physically carry it. So the idea of stealing that much money is incredibly interesting. And the man we're talking about today, John Ruffo, Rufo, I guess it's probably Rufo. Yeah. Uh, he also stole an amount of money that you couldn't physically carry. No. It's an amount of money that... We're getting to this day and age, you know, we the days of bank robbery. Uh, candid little fact about me, Caleb knows this all too well. Uh, I legitimately wanted to be a bank robber when I was a kid. When I was like 18, I was living with my first roommate, and we had planned a heist and everything. Never went through with it. Obviously, never happened. It just seemed like a rather victimless ca- crime. You know, it's insured money, and if nobody gets hurt, it seems like a great way to fix the, yeah. the poverty problem that I grew yeah. up in. Um, so, like, the idea of a heist, you know, used to be a smash and grab or maybe a gas station or maybe, you know, you were Dillinger and you were hitting banks or that sort of thing. But the idea of robbing banks and robbery in general has obviously changed a lot in the past, say, 20 years. Yeah, you can you can now rob a bank in 30 minutes and never leave your house. You can rob a bank from Russia and never step foot in it, yeah. you know? And that's wild because it used to mean, like, there was a certain... I hate to glamorize this, but I do kind of feel like bank robbery falls under cool crimes. Yeah. You know, there's a certain amount of courage you have to have. And and also a certain amount of, like, swag. Like, you have to be able to spit game when you're robbing people. Because, yeah. like, you got to keep them afraid, but also respectful. Like, controlling a room where you're robbing a bank, you got to, like, be pretty fucking cool to pull that I, off. I mean, if you look at just, like, even 20 years difference, back then you'd... Bust in uh, in like a suit and a flak jacket and be like, everyone on the ground, you're about to have the best story of your life. Now yeah. you could just be like, oh, yeah, I just robbed six banks. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so today we're going to talk a lot about that because the way that Rufo did it was, you know, through the phone. Yeah. It's so easy. And it 
I, I love that he robbed banks. Uh, you know, again, cool crime, Robin Hood, right? Like you think of it as a good thing, but it's so interesting the way that he went about it. And we're going to talk about, obviously he's still at large, yes, which is fantastic. Yes. A big part of why we want to talk about it. We're going to talk about maybe where he went and where he is. But again, the frame of reference here is we're both big traditional bank robbery fans. So this is an interesting way to steal so much money because I don't know. I think there's a little romance to like hopping on the counter and being like, everybody get down. And you know, like, like you said, the, there's a line in ambulance for Danny, the, the, or, the organizer of everything says, as well, as long as everything goes well, this will be the be You are going to have the best story to tell at work tonight. Yeah. And like, that is a really good way to look at it. Because mm -hmm. I think in the greater scheme, you know, we've gotten so far away from the days when you could just take somebody's shit. Yeah. You know, the, the outlaw days are long past us. So I think that idea is really weird. I mean, a lot of gun control, all that sort of stuff. The people who want to have guns largely make the argument that they want to be able to protect their home. And that stems from a time when you would have needed to be able to yeah. do that. You just don't have to anymore. We structure things a little differently. But all that being said, John Ruffo was not a man who walked into a bank with a balaclava on his face and a gun in his hand, uh, but he did do a lot of robbery. So why don't you talk about him, and then we'll get into his crime here in a little bit. Yeah, so uh, John Ruffo was born in a close-knit Italian-American family. In, uh, a are there any other kind? <laughs> well, there's the very loose-knit Italian, <laughs> and those are the ones that don't speak to each other for years because one person said the wrong thing at Christmas. Uh, but uh, he was part of a working-class family in Brooklyn. Which means corrupt cops. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he attended New York University on a scholarship, uh, earning a degree in computer science. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, he started taking other people's money young. Yeah, um, yeah, and then in uh, May of 1990, he married his childhood sweetheart, Linda, which okay. she'll play a big part into the later section of the story. Uh, because she's kind of protecting his secrets, we think. Yeah, and I, I mean, she should. Yeah. Yeah, I respect that. I think, you know, I, <laughs> I've... You have to have the, well, you don't have to, but that's like a weird conversation to have with your partner. I don't do anything illegal anymore, but when I was younger, I dabbled and, you know, I'd have to kind of explain to any of my partners like, hey, yeah. hey, <laughs> um, just so you know, I apologize for this, yeah. but it is sort of how I live. <laughs> it's a weird <laughs> conversation to have. So he initially worked for United Corporate, uh, United Computer Systems, LLC in New York before uh, he branched out and created his own firm, Consolidated Computer Services. God, these company names. I know. Tech names, like, I know there's, like, two sides to that coin because there's, like, you know, Twitter and Grindr and shit. Yeah. But I, I feel like so many tech names, especially, like, the formal companies, the ones that really do shit, just have, like, the dumbest, most boring name. It's always, like, Consolidated Systems of America International. Yeah. What the fuck do you even there, do? There, there's... Three things. There's the the Twitter grinder Tumblr, where it's like, yeah, let's just take like a verb. That's how you name a kitchen appliance. Yeah, what to do, and then add er to it. Exactly. Um, there is the word soup of technical jargle like this. Yeah. Consolidated computer services or like United Tech Board seven three two. Yeah. And then there's just let's take an animal and put it in Spanish. <laughs> which is the third like tech company where That's it's like the gaming stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like El Toro and stuff like that. And That's it's true. like okay, pick your lane. Um Cisco is actually Spanish for unreliable. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. Uh so is Spectrum. <laughs> uh so he became uh Best friends with this uh, prominent New York businessman. His name's Edward J. Reiners. Um, he will also play a big part in this story because uh, he used to be an executive with Philip Morris USA. So that's how you know he's a good person. Uh, he gets laid off in 1992, and he and he comes to Rufo, and he's like, "I have an idea." Let's scheme some people. <laughs> so the scheme involves soliciting various banks in an attempt to secure f uh, financing for a fictitious Project Star. Do you think for somebody like Reiners, too, it was like just second nature because he worked for Philip Morris? Do you think he even thought he was scamming people? <laughs> Do you think he, he's like, oh, shit, I lost my job doing scams. I'm going to have to get another job doing scams. <laughs> like, he just That's just his job. It's just Philip Morris is one of the corporate versions of running scams. It's like... Uh, <laughs> If one of the people that does, like, telephone scams, like, Nigerian print scams, or I'm your grandson and I'm stuck in Florida scams, got a job at, like, McDonald's or something, <laughs> and they're like, what can I get you? And they're like, oh, I'd love a Big Mac. And they're like, awesome. And they take their money, and then they just sit down. And the manager's like, hey, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, no, don't worry. I got their money. It's like, no, you actually, this job, you actually have to give them something. <laughs> yeah, you have to do something in exchange. <laughs> so... 
they end up going together and uh, pitching this project to bank executives as a top secret organization for Philip Morris to develop smokeless cigarettes. Dude, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I was love Project Star. It's top secret. Oh, it's Project Star. Smokeless cigarettes. <laughs> Why is it called Project Star? Didn't think that far. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Um, so, Rufo's company, maybe CCS. They, maybe they made like one of those name generators. <laughs> they were just like, Project Star, that's what it's called. Uh, Rufo's company, CCS, was to provide the computer hardware and consulting for five offices set up to work on the project. Of smokeless cigarettes. Yeah, well, you have to program on those smokeless (laughs) cigarettes. I don't know if they meant, like, e-cigarettes or what. Yeah, do they just mean (laughs) chewing tobacco? Project Copenhagen. (laughs) Like, I don't (laughs) smokeless. Dude, they got smokeless cigarettes. Cigaretteless smoke. Uh, <laughs> also, it's very it's very appropriate that the smoke screen for their scam was, was smokeless <laughs> cigarettes. So, uh, they leveraged Reiner's prior credentials as a Philip Morris executive to forge documents and add authenticity to the scheme. Being <laughs> well, like forged documents and Philip Morris do add authenticity yeah. to. The, I, I feel like when you hand in a document, I'm like that happens at Philip Morris. You know, the giant stack. Somebody gets it and they go, "Is this fucking real?" <laughs> What did you bring gross. a real one for? Denied. Yeah, good junk. You fall through a thing in the floor. You're on smokeless cigarettes. Uh, they also included, like, stringent confidentiality agreement uh, stipulations. Well, you know, shit, it was a scam. Yeah, yeah but... Theranos also made everybody sign an NDA. Yeah, so I think it's super funny being like, you can't talk about this thing that doesn't exist. But <laughs> to the people, they're like, oh, fuck, this is a big deal. I can't talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, they did all the right things. And they said that banks were... Uh, to only deal with Reiners and never contact Philip Morris directly. Okay. Which, <laughs> red Another flag. Huge red flag. <laughs> hey, man, uh, you can't talk about this, and also the money comes to me. Hey, does does uh, Philip Morris know you're working on this? Yeah, 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 of course. Okay, cool. I was just going to call him. And, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't need to do that. You don't. Phil's not in the office right now. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Morris is away. Uh, so Rufo tried to avoid suspicions by, do you think Philip Morris got out of a lot of lawsuits in the nineties and two thousands by just being like, Oh, Phil's not here. Sorry. Uh, excuse me. I would like to, mm, he's out of the office right now. Would you like to schedule an appointment? We can get you for the 32nd of April. <laughs> so, uh, that episode of parks. And yeah. I didn't I think it was March 31st was a real day. So he, uh, uh, Rufo tries to avoid suspicion by making timely interest payments on the loans. Yeah, like, I mean, that's a good way to avoid suspicion, yeah. It's the, it's, I just, like, yeah, by doing the thing he's supposed to do. <laughs> I avoid, personally, in my day-to-day life, I avoid suspicion by paying my rent on time. Dude, I, avoid, uh, I, I avoid suspicion by uh, walking around the mall and not screaming at everybody. <laughs> I don't run places, you know? Like, you do weird <laughs> shit, you're going to get weird reactions. Uh, I was joking, um, this uh, slight tangent, I was joking the other day with our bar manager that you and I are the... Um, Exact opposite of gray men. Yeah. <laughs> like gray men, you, you, you're real nondescript. You're real quiet. You don't you don't stick out in a crowd so you can just blend in. And then there's us. <laughs> <laughs> the joke I always make is, you know, I don't know anybody money. Yeah. I'm too easy to see from too far away and to hear. So in 1996, a bank executive at the Long-Term Credit Bank of Japan noticed an irregularity in one of the forged documents. And he was like, oh, that's weird. Well, you know, if anyone has the answer, it's probably uh, the people that's working on this project, Philip Morris. Yeah, let me get a hold of Philip Morris. And they didn't know how to say don't get a hold of Philip Morris in Japanese. So, uh, <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm betting on it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, no mo arigato. <laughs> no mo arigato. That is 100% the name of the episode. <laughs> so uh, they contact Philip Morris and um, Philip Morris is like, uh <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody listen to this. That joke really popped me. Um, they're like, we have no idea what Project Star is and what the fuck is a smokeless cigarette. <laughs> so, the like, they con- like the guy called and he's like, hey, uh, I heard you guys are getting rid of the smoke in your cigarettes. And they were like, we're, wait, how would we do that? You mean like chewing tobacco? Like they go through the same mental. Like, what do you mean? Do you mean like the e-cigarettes? Yeah, we're working on that. Is that that's not what you mean? What the fuck are you talking about? Project Star. <laughs> Uh, they're like, no, we're working on more smoke cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> Our cigarettes are going to produce more smoke. Double stuffed Marlboros. Twice the smoke, half the flavor. So they contact the FBI. 
<laughs> and they're like, hey, we think something's up. That I really want this uh, story to get turned into an Adam McKay movie. You know, because like if you guys haven't seen it, the informant, the one that's about AGM is absolutely fantastic. And it's easily Matt Damon's best role. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like all of, you know, obviously, like all the movies he makes, he does such a good job of capturing this lunacy because this series of phone calls had to be fucking hilarious. Because oh, yeah. this guy gets this. You can like see it. It's like you can see the movie happening. He gets the thing. He's like, wait, what the fuck? So he calls somebody. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He hangs up and he's like, do you know anything about this shit? And he's like, no. Fuck, okay. And he calls the FBI. The FBI's like, really? Wait, you guys are doing smokeless? No, we're not. <laughs> That's wild. Dude. That's great. I can smoke in the office. And they're like, no, the you're F- not understanding. We're That's not doing it. the FBI it. gets out of it. It's like, hey, did you know that uh, they're doing smokeless smokes over at Phil's place? That's what they call the Philmore's headquarters. Phil's, Phil's place. place. <laughs> Welcome down to Phil's place. How can we steal your money? Uh, it sounds like the bar that Phil Jackson opened after retiring from basketball. You know, come on down to Phil's place. We got big cheeseburgers <laughs> and signed basketball photos. So um, the scheme begins to unravel, and uh, oh, shit. Reynolds gets arrested by an FBI agent who set up a sting operation on March nineteenth, nineteen ninety six. And uh, they issue an arrest warrant okay. for Rufo two weeks later. And they find out that, all told, the scheme generated over $350 million in secured loans. That's crazy. Yeah. If all you, to invest in smokeless cigarettes. If you, uh, like, take account inflation, that was 1996. So in today's money, that's about $578 million. Dude, again, so... <laughs> We d- I talked about it at the beginning with the Axie Infinity heist, but that's almost $600 million. That's not an amount of money you could carry. It's not an amount of money you could store. Like, we're going to get into, obviously, where the money, w- well, where the money may have gone. Yes. And but being able to wash that sort of money, it's, in- it's insane to me, that amount. Like, where does it even, how do you even divvy that up? You know what I mean? How do you, like, the amount of people, the amount of hands that must touch it before it gets clean. And I bet you still come out of it with hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, you can pay $100 million to get that money cleaned. Yeah. By the finest, like, I bet the Zetas would wash it for you for $100 million. Yeah. And then you've got $400 million plus. Well, it's like, what the fuck? You could get it washed for $400 million and still never have to worry about anything ever again. Yeah. It's such an insane amount of money. And to think that that was all through secured loans. Mm -hmm. So that's like money up front. You know, like that, they... Fuck. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we were joking after seeing that movie yesterday. It's Why like, do the Girl Scouts still sell cookies? <laughs> they should, they just should do this they, shit. They should just get smokeless cigarette loans. Dude, learn to code. Uh, so, like, we were joking. At, at one point, they're like, hey, I have $8 million, but I'll split it with you if you help us out. And it's like, they're like, oh, fuck, man. We're going to lose half of our money. That's still $4 million. Yeah, and that, you know, at the beginning of it, it's 32. Yeah. You can pay that shit off on your way down, you know? So that that amount of money, I can only imagine, like, that was in 1996. Yes. That money has been circulated. I wonder how many illicit hands that money have. Obviously, we feel a little differently about crimes here. You know, we don't agree with all the American laws in terms of what should be illegal and what isn't. Um especially the severity of the treatment of the people who commit crimes. But that being said, like some of this money has got to be going pretty serious fucking places. Well, (laughs) a lot of that money um, got squandered in poor stock market speculation (laughs) and exorbitant spending habits. Beautiful. How do you even spend that much money though? I have no idea. That's like, that's the joke that um, I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but if I had a ton of money, I'd just buy like, little $1,000 shitbox cars and drive them to where I need to go and then park them and just give them away. Well, I mean, that's the Top Gear. When Top Gear came to America right after Katrina, that's what they did. They drove their three cars from Florida to New Orleans and they gave them all away when they got there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun way to do it. But even then, so they say that uh, $21 million, right? That's about $35 million in today's numbers mm-hmm. is what wasn't accounted for. Yes. Which is insane to me because that's... So much money. I mean, a lot of it had to still be sitting in an account yeah. and stuff because you can't spend it. But even then, like, imagine being that bad at the stock market. <laughs> you know? Like, didn't didn't fucking that little weird science kid, Michael, whatever his name, did Michael Reeves, didn't he just do a fish that made him a bunch of money yeah. on the stock market? And, like, as we've seen, obviously, with crypto, NFT, the big squeezes with AMC and shit, like, 
I feel like you could have been smarter with that money. Maybe. <laughs> I know it was the nineties. So those were garbage ass stocks too. Cause this is all pre internet. So that's like, Oh God, that's like Apple and IBM. Those are like the most boring shitty stocks. Yeah. yeah. It was a funny time to lose that money. But even then, like you said, so $35 million still hasn't been found. No. You know, Rufo is, is probably living it up. So, uh, Rufo gets, uh, gets arrested and <laughs> gets a 150 count indictment charging him with bank fraud, money laundering, wire fraud, and conspiracy. Woo! Um, his bail was set in an unusually high $10 million um, because he was considered a flight risk. Well, yeah, no shit he was a flight <laughs> risk. Like, <laughs> But the thing is, um, he could have bailed himself out three times with the unaccounted for money. That's true, and that's just with the unaccounted for money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess he would have been okay. It's like, imagine you get arrested for stealing even $100,000. And they don't know where that money is. And they're like, your bail is $10,000. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's shit. Well, here you go. <laughs> they're like, oh, fuck. But it's like how that's the, the rappers thing. You know, like I definitely have some, and I have some friends, like, like I said, I used to dabble more on the illegal side of life. And I have friends that were drug dealers and stuff that would get arrested. And, you know, they'd get popped and they could post their bail immediately. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is uh, if the fucked up thing is like, if you can post your bail pretty often and it continue, you keep getting arrested and shit, they stop letting you post bail. Yeah. Or they raise your bail really high. Like I, $10 million is insane. That's, you yeah. know, that's a bail that you're, you're saying, fuck you. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I think it's funny. It, it being tax season and everything. Um, when you file your taxes, there's a section that's like, you make any money off illegal shit? Do you know why that's there? Mm-mm. That's how they got Capone. Mm. Uh, by not declaring any income that you make illegally, you are committing tax fraud. That's where they get you. Because that income that you're taking in, because it's non-taxable, it's not being taxed, if it's over a certain amount, they can get you for tax fraud. And specifically any like legitimate businessman who may have a bunch of illicit business, that's why it's designed like that. That's why a lot of those people, after Capone went down for that, now they use shell corporations that say, no, that company does that, not me. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a way to actually protect yourself. Gotcha. Yeah, listen to the Acid Cat Spirit Hour if you want some tips on how to get away with crime. <laughs> so um, nearly Thanks, all Dad. of his known assets and accounts were frozen by the FBI. And, oh, yeah, no shit. Yeah. But and, those were just the known assets, you know? So with that, most of his immediate family put up their homes as collateral to secure his pretrial release. That's nuts. Yeah. Dude, could you imagine? My, well, first of all, my family couldn't do that. My parents' trailer is not worth $10 million. I'm pretty sure the only way that would work is if my bail was like 500 bucks. <laughs> but uh, I couldn't imagine like people. I would ask them not to. Yeah. Yeah, man, what the fuck? Like, look what you did. Yeah, I don't know. So he, they, they. Leveraged their houses. He gets uh, his pretrial release, and they're like, hey, man, um, we looked through all the evidence, and you are found guilty on all 150 counts, and you will have to spend the next 17 years in prison. Woof. So it's now November 1998, and uh, the U.S. Marshals are like, it's time to, to, time to begin your... Uh, Sentence. It's time to do jail. Time, it's jail time, buddy. It's jail time. Go into the big house. Meet us at jail tomorrow. And Rufo's like, all right, I'll meet you guys at jail tomorrow. Dude, you can't meet somebody at jail. You can't meet somebody at jail. There are <laughs> handcuffs for a reason. Hey, guy that's about to spend the next 17 years of his life as a middle-aged man in jail, uh, meet you there tomorrow? Yeah, no problem, U.S. Marshals. I'll meet you there tomorrow. A guy who probably has <laughs> millions of dollars in hidden income. Like, this is the most... We'll get into this, but I feel like this was a setup. It feels like he paid him off. Uh, so, no surprise. Um, oh, they don't, we don't even need to know. They know what the fuck happened. He doesn't show up. He didn't up. go to jail. <laughs> he doesn't show up. He didn't up. go to 17 years of jail. No. they. He was like, hey, boys, can I meet you at jail? And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem, boss. And then he didn't come to jail. So He uh, no-called, no-show jail. Uh, Maybe that gets you fired. Maybe that's what he's hoping for. He was like, well, if I no-call no-show, they'll probably just fire me, and I can't come in. It's like an idiocracy when he's walking into jail, and he's like, I'm supposed to be in that line. And they're like, oh, fuck. Why are you in this line, idiot? <laughs> they're like, leave jail. Get out of jail. So his image was captured on a CCTV camera taking money out of an ATM. No weird. Uh, on the same afternoon, he was supposed to report to jail. 
And that is the last time he was seen or heard from. That's incredible. So that's 1998. 1998. 15 years. That's a long time. Did you say 15 years? Yeah. 25 years. Yeah. Sorry. My mistake. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> oh, God. It's 2022? I thought it was 2012 still. <laughs> um, so... Uh, in his wife's last communication with her, uh, with him on the morning of his disappearance, uh, he was like, yeah, um, I'm going to go meet with my parole officer. And she's like, okay, never saw him again. This, is, this dude didn't even have to go out for milk. No. He just was like, hey, I'm going to go around the corner. Like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> it just, <laughs> hey, guys, um, I'm going to leave. Oh, cool. You coming back? Yeah. No. <laughs> like, he had an out. He's like. Imagine telling your family, hey, I'm about to go to jail for 17 years. And they're like, we're going to miss you. And then not show up to jail. And you're like, cool. Uh, don't have to see anyone else again. Dude, I can't. That is like the. Because if you. <laughs> I know that we went through a lot with the criminal justice system in the past couple of years, especially. But like the idea that this guy, this is the most white collar fucking crime because this guy got treated so nice. Yeah. I can't believe that he wasn't in fucking shackles. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't. He wasn't in custody. He wasn't. Guys, guys, he's a. Don't they put ankle bracelets on you if you, like, have, you know, the wrong drug and you act weird in public? Yeah. Yeah. They'll put an ankle bracelet on you. But you can con people into, you know, 300, 400, 500 million dollars worth of false loans. And they're like, you're trustworthy enough. Like, the dude had a $10 million bond because he was that much of a flight risk. Ten million dollars. You just don't give him a bond then. And they were like, "But yeah, yeah, you you'll meet us. You can there. drive us. You can ten, drive yourself to jail." The court bet ten million dollars against him staying put. Yeah, and they were like, "Nah, he'll show up." <laughs> well, the last judge thought that uh, he wouldn't show up to the tune of ten million dollars, and you guys were like, "No, I bet you twenty bucks he shows." <laughs> Fucking idiots. This is... <laughs> yeah, $10 million, he wasn't even proven guilty yet. Yeah. And now they're like 150 counts, 17 years. You'll show up, right? And he's like, uh-huh. Yeah, why would... <laughs> hey, you're going to get 17 years. You better show up. I hope you don't have enough money to comfortably leave the country, get a new identity, which is... I mean, even then wouldn't have been that difficult. You know what I mean? Like... No, you <sighs> call that one vacuum shop. Yeah. <laughs> you get yourself a passport. You say, I need... uh this part for this vacuum and the guy picks you up in a van and he takes you to a small town in Alaska. Do you think the CIA is confusing for retired people? You know, like people who used to be in the CIA because of shit like that. Yeah. You know, like they're used to their drop point being like a dry cleaner and then they go to just do normal dry cleaning and they have weird flashbacks. They're like real creeped out the whole time there and they're like, dude, are you okay? And it's like, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I used to spend a lot of time really stressed out in here. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I've always wondered, like, what if I accidentally stumbled across someone that's in, like, witness protection or relocation like that? And you just say something like, you look super familiar. And they're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and you just mean because they look like one of your friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, I always imagine if someone came into the bar and I was like, have you been here before? You look super familiar. And they're like, fuck, my cover's blown. And then I get shot. <laughs> so <laughs> they're like, no, 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 no. I, um... I'm just going to start wildly accusing people. Aren't you that dude that fucked over the mob? And he's like, one of these, it's going to hit one wait, time. Yeah, wait till it's somebody on like a first date and you know it. I'm like, oh, dude, I do know you. You're that dude that fucked over the mob. I'm surprised you're still alive. Good for you to be out here dating. Let me guess, witness protection? <laughs> you never you never miss the smile, you know? He always, it's that's what gave it away. It's the uh, fear in your eyes. Um, so Rufo's car was later uh, recovered by the FBI, abandoned at JFK Airport. Love that. Not really abandoned, just parked. <laughs> just parked. Yeah. Um, and then three months after his disappearance, this is a real shitty thing. Um, the homes of his wife, mother, mother-in-law. Oh, and other people in his family civil forfeiture were seized by the government yep. because oh, they man. put it up as a bond collateral yeah and, that's and forfeiture yep well you know what's interesting i was i was well wait i know there are like four or five theories there's a lot of theories about where rufo is and what he's up to um but i do i was initially just going to you know me i'm the conspiracy half of the show i like to jump into it right away and first of all him disappearing like that feels like he paid those guys off yeah uh and also 
I, I was originally going to say that I feel like his family went to bat for him to help cover it up. I wonder if he didn't just... We probably should have tried to interview... I, I mean, like, his wife and stuff. We, you know, we're a tiny little podcast. They're not going to talk to us, unfortunately. But it would be interesting, too, because where'd they move to next? Yeah. Did he buy them new homes? You know? Because yeah. it wouldn't fucking matter, and it would be a great cover. It's like, oh, well, he he's clearly on the run, and we have no contact with him. Our, our homes got seized, and he's just quietly sending them money to get them houses. So, if he's sitting on 35 mil, he can buy them new houses. So here's the thing. Three years later, April 2001... Uh, was Ruf- it on the first? Uh, it could have been. Uh, Rufo was sighted in Duncan, Oklahoma. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a good place. Oklahoma's a good-ass place to hide. Yeah, because nobody there knows what exists in the world outside of Oklahoma, <laughs> and nobody from outside of Oklahoma dares coming in there. Um, apparently visiting several community banks <laughs> in an attempt to open an account so he could receive $250 million of wild trans, uh, wire transfers from Nigeria. Bro, I, that, bro, that's, do you think he lost all of his money to a Nigerian prince? <laughs> do you think Usman from 90 Day Fiance took all of his money? I think he's actually in like Tanzania or whatever. But. <laughs> um, wait, I find it so funny just walking into a shitty small credit union in the middle of Oklahoma and being like, like, hey, I need to open a checking account. And they're like, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, well, that would be fine. Yeah, we're going to have to do a little credit check. And he's like, okay, but I, do you guys accept wire transfers? And they're like, yeah, yeah. We're, I mean, we're a bank. Yeah, we, we do. He's like, okay, so I have this Nigerian prince. I sent him $5 million last week. He's going to wire me $250 million. And they're just like, they hit the fucking robbery button. They're just like, Ugh. <laughs> they, they hit the dumbass button. <laughs> Manager comes out and he's like, he does that thing where he puts his arm around him. You know, and he's like, Let's go have a conversation. <laughs> Can I get you a cup of coffee? He's like, "Hey, uh, I would like, like to a open a, or anything. I would like to open a bank account. All right, sir, we just need to see an ID. How about we don't do that? <laughs> yeah, and he's also like, this. and also, do you guys accept two hundred and fifty million dollars in wild wire transfers from Nigeria from this fucking guy named John, this like fifty year old man that walked into this tiny credit union? It's I, weird that that didn't work out. It, it's so funny because. I mean, this is 2001, uh, and it's April 2001, so it's pre-9-11. I don't know if 9-11 had anything to do with <laughs> banks and how they changed their operations. Changed everything. Uh, but, like, two years ago, I needed to change my bank account from a uh, college bank account to just a normal adult bank to account. To a dropout bank account? And I had to sign, like, three forms. <laughs> no, I graduated college. But, and, like, they are like, you need three forms of ID. And I was like, I have a government-issued ID. <laughs> like... And this wasn't even to open account. This was just to change the wording of my account and also make it to where I have overdraft fees now. Dude, it's so. such a scam. It's such a scam. Banks are a scam. Join a credit union if you can or keep it all in gold under your mattress. So, ooh, that sounds painful for your back. Um, so Under your mattress. The authorities were called. Yep. Um, and they're like, hey, I think it's John Rufo. They show up. And he was gone. Yeah, well, no shit. <laughs> he yeah. already had left town. Well, when they said no to his $250 million Nigerian wire transfer, he's probably a little discouraged. So um, later that year, later in 2001, Linda, his wife, filed for divorce, um, citing spousal abandonment. That's, you know, that, that's a... <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all, exactly. I didn't even, I was trying to think of like a funny joke, but honestly, like, yeah, yeah, he did. You're right. He bounced. And, uh, like a formal, formal complaint. Um, he bounced. Uh, they they gave it to her. They are now officially divorced. So authorities believe that he still has access to substantial overseas financial resources. Of course he fucking does. Um, which would help him stay off the grid and assume a new identity. But uh, Chief Deputy U.S. Marshal John Bolin commented. I also, sorry to interrupt oh, yeah. you, but I also think that if you were on the run as like a 50-year-old white man, you you do stand a better chance of blending in. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like that's the most nondescript person. You're not really going to like, you know, like when we go to the airport, yeah. I usually get pulled aside. Cause they're like, you look like you like to have fun. Do you have any fun in your pockets? And, uh, and so I'm like, I got no, fun in my butt. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in my butt. Cause I'm at the airport. No, it's already in my fucking body. Cause I'm at the airport. I do that before buddy. Anyway. Um, yeah, I just exposed far too much. You'd really learning shit about my habits today. Um, 
But yeah, th- I think it would be a really easy way to blend in, like going through customs and stuff. If you gave a fake ID that was convincing, I honestly don't even think it would fall under a lot of scrutiny. Well, so they would be like, oh, yeah, John Jones. Okay, whatever. There you go. Uh, funny, funny story to go along with that. We also has a drug problem, John Jones. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> went on a trip at the beginning of the year, and uh, at the time, my mullet was purple. It wasn't. It wasn't pink like it is now, but. Uh, on my ID, I have a purple mullet in the picture. And when you're going through security, you still have to wear a mask at the airport. And so I had my mask. And of course, you hand your ID. They ask you to take your mask off. They make sure that it's you. I walk up there. I hand her my ID, waiting for her to ask me to take my mask off. She looks at the picture. She looks at me, looks at the picture, <laughs> and she goes, all right, you're good. <laughs> it's good enough. The hair matches. Yeah. 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 Who's going to fake an ID with a purple mullet and then still have that purple mullet? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but no, so Chief uh, Chief, De- Chief Deputy U.S. Marshal John Bolin commented in 2013. He said, quote, having been sentenced to 220 months of incarceration and not serving a single day of that kind of that kind of sticks in the crawl of those of us in this profession. Oh, fuck him. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you, you fucking cop. He said his actions are a mockery of our justice system. Yeah. yeah the justice system yeah, is a mockery. The justice system is a fucking mockery. Uh, he said, we are the best in the world at this. <laughs> are you? Are you? Are you? Are you? He just has to make hey, one mistake. Sounds to me like John Rufo is the best in the world at this. He said, we can make many, but he has to make just one. By the we'll way, catch him. if this makes it to Rufo somehow, just know that we respect you a lot. Yeah, man. And if you want to send us some money, we'll take some. We won't tell him shit. You can send it in Bitcoin. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> We'll even take like ten grand. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, man. You can just send me two ETH. I'll be a happy camper. Uh, so, Rufo's last attorney, uh, Jeffrey Lightman, offered the following when he asked uh, if he thought authorities could ever capture his former client, and he said, "Quote: I think that if I'd been a betting man, I'd put my money on John Rufo, <laughs> because from what I can see so far, he's smarter than the people looking for him. Yeah, dude, he is. He's doing way better. He's like he's significantly outsmarted the cops. It's so fucking lame of Bolin to be like, we're the best in the world at this thing that we have not successfully done. Listen." If nobody has successfully done it, nobody's the best in the world at it. You have to complete the task, and then you analyze how you did that task. That's yeah. how you determine the best. You're not the best at anything. No. You're the best at making up excuses and beating your wives. So uh, he remains at large, and the U.S. Marshal Services is offering only $25,000. Well, because they're just like, we're not going to fucking yeah. find this guy. Uh, for any information that leads to the capture of him. So, by the way, if anybody has any information, that still stands. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, you fucking snitch. Uh, so Rufo's own cousin, uh, Paramine Pascal. Oh, my God. That is a beautiful <laughs> name. Is, is he the guy who owns Pasquale's? Is he the one who opened Pasquale's Pizza? Pasquale's Pizza? No, that's a rat from the Muppets. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, no, no. Isn't that John Rufo's cousin? He said he was from a tight-knit Italian family. He's a fucking rat because of what he does here in a second. Um, He believed that he spotted Rufo in the stands at Dodger Stadium while watching a Dodgers game on TV. Dude, this Uh, is just like the dude who had the alibi being in the mm -hmm. uh, the Curb episode. Yes. Uh, So August 5th, 2016, uh, there's a Dodgers game being televised, and it's panning panning past the the stands, and fucking Paramine Pascale uh, is like... That's my cousin. That's John. Pauses the TV, has it on there, calls the police. And he's wow. like, hello? He is. He's the rat. He's police. He's the pizza rat. And the police said, hello, this is police. <laughs> and uh, they're like, hi, it's Pasquale the pizza rat? Uh, he's like, my cousin, you may have heard of him, John Rufo, he's on the TV right now. And they're like, what channel? And they turned it on. They said, sir, that's a Dodgers game. Dude, it'd be fucking <laughs> sick as fuck if he was like. He's like, showtime right now. And it's just like softcore porno. <laughs> uh, and he's like, no, 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 I have it paused. And they're like, oh, that makes way more sense. <laughs> so uh, he froze his screen, contacted the police, and with the help of the Dodgers, uh, the police found the seat number and tracked down the ticket holder. Okay. So they they show up, they find it, they're like, hey, uh, you had a ticket to this game. And they get to the person's house, and they said, I gave that ticket away to a friend. <laughs> I know that I'm the ticket holder for that season pass for that specific seat. Gave it away. And they're like, fuck. It had changed hands multiple times, and they could not find the guy who actually well, was at that. It was Rufo. It was Rufo. It's, he's just, I, I bet that's his system, you know? So um, after months of no new leads, the information was made publicly available 
in October of 2021. Yeah, that's what kind of turned our uh, like thoughts to the case. That's when I first heard of John Rufo. So an image of the man suspected to be Rufo was released shortly after, and investigator uh, Danielle Shimchik said that the person in the image uh, closely resembles Rufo, and his cousin is still convinced that it was him. Pasquale the Pizza Rat. Pasquale the Pizza Rat. But uh, the image was released. Law enforcement got a tip and were able to track down the man seen in the images and through fingerprints and a swift background check confirmed it was not him. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine going to a baseball game? And in being 2016. Like, and, <laughs> and being like, man, that was a fun game. I'm never going to remember this day again. And then five years later, the police do, show do, up do, do, and do. they're like, give us your fucking fingerprints. And you're like, hi, what? You're a criminal. He <laughs> was like, fuck, no, I, I'm not. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just wanted a Dodger dog. It's like unfortunate series of events. A week later, he's like cooking on the stove and he leans and he burns his fingerprints off. And he's like, oh, fuck. Well, this won't be substantial in my life, but that hurts. And a week later, they come and they're like, hey, you're a criminal that's been wanted for years. And he's like, no, I'm not. They're like, let's take your fingerprints. And he's like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Like. He's got, like, a habit for eating uh, Lay's Ruffle chips, so his buddies call him Ruffle. And they're like, oh, you mean Ruffle? And they're like, what? What did you say, Ruffle? Yeah, 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 Ruffle. The guy with no fingerprints? He burned him off the other day. Yeah, no, he just moved here and like, what was it, like, 98, 99? And they're like, fuck, dude. But it's just some just, unrelated guy. It's just all inter- He's black. <laughs> They're like, man, he really committed to changing his his look. It's like uh, JFK and Bubba Hotep. <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie, you have to go watch that movie. So, this so what the fuck happened to Rufo? The theories. Let's get into this the is theories. where we get into the theories. Uh, there are five theories. Okay. Number one, John Rufo moved to Italy thanks to the mafia. Okay, so he was protected by the mafia. Yeah, so this theory is that he fled to Italy after he was released on bond because he had alleged co- uh, connections to the Italian mafia. Because he was Italian. Yeah, because <laughs> everyone. So born into an Italian-American family. If you're actually Italian-American and you are and you grew up in New York, there's a much higher chance that you may actually have connections. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, Rufo also had said that he had interest in living in Italy and he had traveled there often with Linda, okay. um, his now ex-wife, and he even spoke some Italian. There should be a term for a widow who just got abandoned. Yeah. You know? If you leave, leave that in the comments if you're listening to it there. You say single? <laughs> yeah. Ready to tingle. Um, and uh, Reiner's also told authorities that their plan involved Rufo fleeing to Italy. And um, his wife found a note after he fled, which we'll talk about the note in it. And on the note, had an address in Italy written on it. But uh, Robert Boyce former chief uh, detective for NYPD claimed that his actions, which led to his family losing their homes, would have been highly frowned upon by the mafia. Yeah, well... You don't double-cross family. But, again, what if he didn't? Yeah. What if he didn't double-cross family? What if he let that happen to make it seem significant? Because that is a very convincing thing. A lot of people would be like, well, you would never... We like to say, you know, you would never, they would never, that sort of thing, and then regulate that way. And that feels like one of those things where you'd be like, well, it's impossible that that happened because he wouldn't allow that to happen. Yeah. But we have zero evidence of that. There's no reason to believe that that's true. Like, um, he may have just set his family back up. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Because the mafia thing, I, you know, the, the, honestly, the less believable part about the mafia tie to me is just because he's just a fucking Italian guy from Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, that makes it feel like somebody was like, oh, he's an Italian guy from Brooklyn. I bet it's the mob. Like they'd never met an Italian person yeah. before. It's definitely possible. And it's more likely with where he's from. But I don't know, man. The, the mob stuff. And he, if he wasn't a made man, it would be transactional with the mob. Mm-hmm. Like, if he wasn't a member and a respected member, he would have to pay for this. And then that's kind of like paying a coyote to do anything. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I, I could see them having been involved. I could see him, you know, going. I think he fled. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll <clears throat> get into whether or not people, some people don't, one of the theories is that he's dead. Yeah. And then he killed himself. But we'll get to that in a minute. I don't think that's the case. Though. I think he fled. Theory uh, number ahead, two. Yeah, please. The FBI helped him escape. Yeah, yeah, the FBI, which I find less believable because when I think of, uh, and, you know, we talk about this a lot, but the DEA and the CIA, they get into really sketchy shit. Mm -hmm. The FBI less, because the FBI, they're just like super cops. Yeah. The other guys are super undercover cops. Mm -hmm. The FBI, yeah, I mean, 
obviously they investigate, but when FBI, you know, they show up afterwards, they ask questions, they do that sort of stuff. Like it's, and it's not just, you know, the X-Files, although that is obviously my favorite representation of the FBI. And I mean, the FBI and the U S marshals very rarely butt heads. They usually are always on the same side where like the DEA and the CIA and the FBI always butt heads. And the, and the ATF. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything that happened in Waco and Ruby Ridge and stuff that had to do with arguments between the ATF, the DEA and the FBI. So I don't know. I, I could see the FBI, but it makes more sense that the CIA would help him escape. So like that's more the CIA's territory than it is. Like when we talk about Barry Seal, yeah. you know, we got another pilot coming up that we're going to talk about. Um, we talk about those guys in that time period. It was all the CIA. Yeah. The FBI wasn't doing any of that. So with this theory, it says that Rufo uh, had ties to the FBI because he once posed for a photograph with the assistant director of the FBI and members of an FBI SWAT team. Okay. Um, they said that when he was originally arrested, Rufo claimed he had worked as an undercover operative. And in an interview with the FBI, with an FBI agent, he said he was helping, quote, give a legitimate appearance to a covert operation. Um, but what would that operation be? Like, yeah. was it the FBI raising money by fleecing these court, these, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't understand if all of this was loans from banks, which are insured by the fed. I don't know how it makes sense that the FBI would you know, you see what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, what motivation would the FBI have here to profit off of this? Like, <laughs> like the money would they- they don't need to take money that way. So uh, Jody Bachman, his former personal secretary, claimed that Rufo was not lying about his work with the FBI and that she and uh, Linda had believed agents had been using CCS, his company, yeah. as a base of operations. Weird. And then uh, Rufo also claimed that he was assisting the FBI in finding undercover Soviet spies and trying uh, to make them defect to the U.S. Again, that sounds like a CIA thing, mm-hmm. not like espionage. That's not the FBI. No, that's they CIA. They are the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which means that they predominantly focus on crimes, and they do so in the United States. Yep. The CIA is who pulls cu- coups and shit. Yeah. Like, that's why we have them. That's what they exist for. So, I don't know. I find this to be a little... I I could see him having been as- assisted, and I understand what the assistant is saying, but I also feel like there was a lot of... With a situation like this, there's going to be a lot of um, uh, mystery, and there's going to be a lot of vagaries. Yeah, like it's an enigmatic s- s- situation, and I think he probably lied a lot. Yeah, yeah. That brings us to number three: the Russians are hiding them. Now, see this one, I'm more inclined to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the late '90s—that's the beginning of Putin's rise to power. Um, and when you look at well, not the beginning, but, you know, um, he was he was there. Um, I, the Russians, historically, we know, through the crypto hacks, but all the way, whether it's election stuff or we can keep going further and further back, the Russians have always, I mean, when I grew up on the internet, I'm 35 years old, but when I was growing up on the internet, I knew the Russians as like, you know, a hacker sitting on IRC with a pile of cigarette butts and a bottle of vodka. Smokeless and, cigarette butts. Yeah, and probably <laughs> controlling some very important thing in the yeah. world. The Russians are like the those Soviet bloc countries. Those were the people you would turn to if you needed some nefarious internet shit done. Mm-hmm. This is, while it's not nefarious internet shit, it's nefarious shit, and it's a lot of money. And if you want to talk about a group of people that you can pay to get something taken care of, the Russians are absolutely that. Yes. Uh, and obviously, I don't mean the Russian people. I mean the Russian government. But there are ways within Russia very easily. And, you know, crime is looked at very differently in Russia. It's a lot more – it's fraud, stuff like that's a lot more normal. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I don't know that he would even be seen as a bad guy in Russia. I feel like in that culture, he's sort of a Robin Hood. He's sort of a hero. Like, he was able to pull off this big scam. He got away with it. There, he'd sort of be rewarded for that. So this theory kind of flips the FBI theory, okay. saying that uh, it he still worked with the FBI to defect Soviet, uh, Soviet agents, but that gave him ties to the Russian government. Okay. And... Um, Senior Inspector Chris Lur and Deputy Danielle uh, Shimchik of the U.S. Marshal Services said that they can't eliminate this possibility because he, they do believe he had these ties. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Eric Runk, acting deputy chief of the U.S. Marshals now, says there's not enough intel to suggest this is true. But the big thing is he added he didn't want to guess where Rufo's whereabouts were and therefore felt the theory of him being in Russia was a dead end, and it's not something they 
they have pushed at all. Which means he's in Russia and yes. they know it. <laughs> yeah. That's all that means. Oh, well, because, I mean, $25,000 also, like, this dude stole $400 million. Yeah. And, yeah, sure, he only ended up with 30 of it or whatever, but he was convicted of 150 counts of various frauds, 17 years in prison, and you're only going to put up $25,000 for any information? Yeah. And he's a guy who's still running around, and he's pretty, he's getting old at this point. Like, you would think that that reward would be a little higher. Yeah. Yeah. That brings us to number four, John Rufo. It's hiding in plain sight. Yeah, I, and I mean, I believe that shit, right? It's yep. what we were talking about. It's It would be so fucking easy for him to do that. Yeah, so... So easy. Uh, right now, he'd be about uh, 67, coming up on 68, and... Still mobile, still moving around. Yeah, this this theory is he's just hiding in plain sight. He's just uh, able to avoid capture because he can easily blend into a crowd. I mean, with today, a 67, 68-year-old... Italian white dude kind of want to ignore him anyways. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair <laughs> you just kind of want to ignore him anyways. Yeah, no, there's it just seems very easy whether he's in Russia, whether he went to Italy first. I honestly feels like a lot of these theories could be true in contingency. Yeah, it feels like he may have gone to Italy and then from there was like, okay, I gotta hide somewhere else. Russia's real easy to get to, mm-hmm. you know, like it's it's a great place to hide and. To anybody who thinks that it's um, unbelievable that he could be out there in the world and not be recognized, I urge you to travel as much as possible. Yeah. Because when you do so, it becomes abundantly clear that, A, America is a pretty spread out and not very dense country. And uh, when you go somewhere else, it uh, it's so much easier to blend in when you're not fully participating in everything, if that's the easiest way to say. Like, when you live as an expat, you're a little bit more invisible than when you live in your regular, you know, wherever the fuck you're from. I I was going to say, next time you go on vacation somewhere, just pick a person and follow them for the rest of that week. (laughs) That's some shit you and I would do. That's why we get Uh, thrown out of places. The the US we're ever following you around at a con, we're just being weird. Don't get scared. Uh, (laughs) I just... Gang stalk someone. Yeah. Just pick a random person out of a crowd and gang stalk them for a weekend. I'm envious, man. I wish I would have been in the CIA. I would I would happily gang stalk people. Are you kidding? That's such a fun way to troll somebody. Like I, just in your car, a block away, while they s- just slowly go fucking insane. There, there is a subsect of TikTok which is gang stalk TikTok, <laughs> and it is people who are like fully, fully convinced that they're being gang stalked by whether it be local law enforcement or the CIA or something like that. And it's legit just people being like, see, here's proof. And it's them just filming, like, people at Target <laughs> and, like, parking lots and stuff like that. Birds aren't like, real. Oh, man, these people. Um, so the U.S. Marshal Service has shared it, known uh, aliases that he's gone by. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read them off now. Yeah, dude, John Russo is good. <laughs> John Russo. <laughs> hey, are you, are you jo- John Rufo? No, no, no I'm John, John Russo. Russo. I uh, directed Adventures in Game. Dude, they just did that with WWE. Elias disappeared forever. He's this guy who's like, sort of like a singer-songwriter character. Mm-hmm. Long beard, long hair, uh, hippy-dippy kind of guy. Disappears forever, is allegedly dead, and then he showed back up like clean-shaven in like super wrestling tights, uh, and he says that he's his younger brother, Ezekiel. That's, a, that's what it makes me think of. Are you, are you, uh, you John Rufo? No, 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 John Russo. Sorry. I know, I look just like him. It's weird. Uh, Jack Nitz. That's awesome. Jack Nitz. Jack Nitz off. <laughs> Jack and D's nuts. Uh, Bruce Gregory. That one's weird. John Peters. And Charles Sanders. <laughs> okay, so as uh, a Kentucky colonel, I'm going to go ahead and assume that he was doing that to convince people that he was uh, an heir apparent to the KFC fortune. He's I, like, you know, like colonel. He was my... Colonel was my grandfather. I'm Charles. That was definitely Thinking his that first name, by the way. His first name was Colonel. That's what happens to all of us. When you become a colonel, you don't have a first name anymore. That's why I'm just the colonel. People think it's like a stupid title. No, I, I just am a colonel, and when you become one, it's what you're known as. You don't get to, you don't get your name anymore. Theory number five. It's like when you come become a pope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, Go listen to the world's fastest pope, that episode, and you'll know all about what it's like to be a Kentucky colonel. It's the exact same experience. Um. Number five, John Rufo is dead. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. Now, uh, this one is that he killed himself also, right? Yes. So, I mean, he could be dead. He's 67 at this point. Yeah, I so, mean, he's practically ancient. You know, like, and what is the new generation now called? The alpha generation? Uh, something like that. That's hilarious. Why isn't it the sigma generation? That would have been so much sigma funnier. <laughs> the ligma generation? The ligma generation. So this theory is that Rufo is dead, 
And that's why authorities haven't been able to find him for the past 23 I mean, years. It's a, not due to their ineptitude. <laughs> but, uh, hey, it's a little bit of both. Don't be rude. So, like I said, at the time of his disappearance, Rufo left a letter to his ex-wife. And in this, he claimed he had reached, quote, his breaking point. Uh, she said that in the letter, he had written that he had, quote, uh, no choice, reassured her that he had beat authorities and that the decision to give himself, uh, he had made the decision to give himself to God. Oh, okay. Um, despite the contents of the letter, though, Linda's like, <laughs> she, he didn't fucking kill himself. Yeah, also, that doesn't, that's not really what that sounds like to me. Yeah. It sounds like him finding a uh, uh, semi-convincing way, like, then it sounds like suicide note to be like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving the rest up to fate. So that's what exactly what she said. She said that um, by saying that he had had beat authorities and that he had given himself to God, that there's no way he would have killed himself because in his eyes, she knows his pride. And in his eyes, if he said that he beat the authorities, he his death would have been the exact opposite. Yeah. No, his, his he, death is what they wanted. Yeah. He got away. Yeah. And he was giving it to God like, all right, I won. From here on out, just I'll ride with the wave. Yeah. You know, I got my money. I'm retired. So I don't think he killed himself. Though. I don't think I don't, he killed not himself. at all. I don't think that one's possible. I think he's I think he's hiding in plain sight somewhere. I think I he's, he's just fucking, being a white dude. I hope he shows up on 90 Day Fiance. You know what I mean? Like, I think that would be sick. I've been hoping that about um, D.B. Cooper forever. You know, like I want to see him pop up with like some Laotian 22 year old. He's just spraying money on. <laughs> on this episode, Jack Nitz. <laughs> dude, Jack Nitz. D's Nitz. That guy, oh, man. Well, fucking John Rufo was cool. Yeah. He definitely goes in the Hall of Fame of cool crimes. If you think that D.B. Cooper and those types were cool, you should respect Rufo, too, because what he did is cool as shit. He's still out there. Like I said, there's obviously, like, very little chance that he'll hear this, but if you do see this podcast, John, know that we respect you a lot. We think what you did was cool. And, and my uh, bank account number. Yeah, and our banking information <laughs> is available through a DM. Um, we're going to get a bunch of scam ones now. Well, you, That would be a good... That needs to be the next big, um, like, Twitter, like, shitcoin scam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the John Rufo. Let's start Rufo coin. <laughs> Rufo coin. Should we start Rufo coin? Every dollar you put in, we double it. And it goes towards uh, research for smokeless cigarettes. Yes. <laughs> Rufo coin. And then we'll, so we'll sell it as an NFT. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let, let us, or let us guys, let us guys know what you guys, which all think uh, happened. Where, where do you think Rufo is? What do you think he's up to? Do you think he's, you know, do you think he's down south? Do you think he's in Russia? Where do you think he is? I, I personally think he's just fucking being an old dude, just being a creepy pervert. Yeah. Um, just walking around. I wonder bada if he's bada vaccinated. Ooh. You think COVID got him? I, no, I think he, I, that's rough. I don't know. Right? Rufo, actually, yeah, is how yes. it's pronounced. It's not rough. <laughs> that's Rufo. Um, <laughs> he probably got a fake vaccination card. Yeah, he definitely, do you, maybe he's that guy who got vaccinated 90, 90 times. times in Germany. If you guys don't know what we're talking about and you've made it this far into our show, I can't imagine you don't listen to the, the news show, uh, but we talked about that last week. Uh, yeah, that guy fucking just getting all the jabs he could. Yeah, maybe. Rufo's a really interesting case, though, and it's a fun story to talk about. What a fun scam, and good on him for still being out there spending that money that he stole off of banks. He scammed off him, too, you know? Yeah. Like, he didn't, like we said at the beginning, you know, there's a, there's definitely a romance stuff. Hopping on the countertop and being like, everybody get the fuck down and cocking your shotgun and doing that whole thing. But Shotgun in your cock. Yeah, but there's also <laughs> something very respectable about doing it the Arnold Rothstein way, you know, like fixing the World Series or, you know, con a bunch of companies into contributing into research for smokeless cigarettes. Like, what a fucking hilarious thing to scam people on to. A real Robin Hood moment, you know? Steal from the rich and give to yourself. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, man. Have your family get fucked. Yeah. Steal from the rich and make your family homeless. Uh. <laughs> it's a tale as old as time. Speaking of which, uh, tale as old as time, it is the end of the podcast, which means that we hand it over to you, Caleb, because it is riddle time. Last week's riddle. A bus driver is heading down the street in Colorado. He went right past a stop sign without stopping. He turned left where there was a no left turn sign, and he went the wrong way down a one-way street. And then he went on the left side of the road past a cop car, but he didn't break any traffic laws. How do you do it? My mom figured this one out. My mom sent me, like, a paragraph of her working through it, and she was correct. Uh, I saw someone else in the comments was correct. He was not driving the bus. He was just walking on the street. Yep, he's just a he's just a bus driver. That's just what he does for a living. That's just his occupation. Look this at that week's, red herring. This week's riddle: I am the beginning of the end. 
and the end of time and space. I'm essential to creation, and I surround every place. That is Elon Musk's daily affirmation. <laughs> he looks in the mirror and he says, I'm the beginning and the end, and the end of time and space. I'm essential to creation, and I surround every place. Your hair looks great. I am the beginning of the end, and the end of time and space. Well, on that very beautiful note, we love you guys so much. Let us know what you think the answer to that daily affirmation for Mr. Musk is in the comments. And uh, if you haven't, check out our new show. It's a lot of fun. We put it out on Sunday and on Wednesday, midweek and at the weekend. And, uh, yeah, check us here next week. If you if you liked it, leave us a comment, like, subscribe. If you're following on Spotify or whatever, we love you there. And, if you uh, didn't like it. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> no, it's okay. You can tell us. We don't. We are, uh, dude. Look at me. I've been. I've been this ugly and fat my entire life. I can take the beating. It's totally fine. I don't mind. And if you're the guy that commented on our news show and found your way over here, yeah, no, this isn't news either. Um. <laughs> We've got bad news. That's the only real news we have is that none of this is really very accurate, true, or honestly even funny. Uh, and with that said, we love you guys very much. We'll be here at the same time next week, and uh, we hope you have a good one. The the years get. Go outside. It's been so nice. Go outside. See you later. Touch grass. Yeah, touch grass.